I'm going to be speaking uh, on the next few Sunday nights on developing a lifestyle of holiness. That is the name of the series that I'm going to be preaching on. It's going to be partly preaching, partly teaching. I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to rush into it. Uh, and um, I want all of our younger people to understand the biblical principles of holiness. Uh, we're going to, we're going, what we're going to do, all the, all the misinformation that's out there, we're going to wad it up and throw it away. Uh, and, uh, and misunderstanding and, and teachings of tradition, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to bag it. And we're going to uh, get down to really what uh, holiness is all about. And uh, and so I I spent all day. I, I we went and ate a little bit. Then I come back over here. I've been here all day praying and studying and uh, getting this going for tonight. Uh, there's a scripture that we're going to. Um, it's going to be the basis. You don't have to stand for this, and he can just put this upon the screen because I got another one we're going to be reading that you can stand for. Uh, it's in Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse one. And this is going to be the basis right here of all of our studies uh, and all the messages, 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness. That word perfecting. It's what we are focusing on when I say developing a lifestyle of holiness. Developing a lifestyle of holiness. Uh, and for our first lesson tonight, I'm going to be speaking on a subject titled, Striving to Please the Master. Striving to Please the Master. We're going to be going to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 25 through 30, and you can stand for that. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 30. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And then verse 30 is going to be the focus text for tonight. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed until the day of redemption. Striving to please the Master. Let's pray. Lord, as we come tonight, we thank you and we praise you for the tremendous worship spirit that has been in our midst tonight. Thank you, God, for this crowd of people have gathered here tonight. We ask right now for your anointing. I need your touch, God. Help me, God, to cleanse my mind of prior thoughts and conceptions. 
because we want what thus saith the Word of God, and thus saith the Word of God only. Let your anointing flow right now. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Striving to please the Master. Hallelujah. You know what basically holiness is? It's trying to live a life pleasing to God. The old song that Sister Darlene sung a lot, and some other folks, some of you others here have have sung it also, I want my Lord to be satisfied with me. Do you know what a powerful statement and concept that is? I want my Lord to be satisfied with me. Now, if every Christian around the world really feels that way, I wonder how come that they don't live a little bit better sometimes. I wonder how come we don't dedicate ourselves more to the cause of Christ and and develop a lifestyle that's pleasing to Him. And no, no show of hands, but I want you to think on this, this whole message tonight. Do I really truly down deep inside want to live my life pleasing to the Master? Am I striving to live my life pleasing to Him? Do I want to make Him happy? Or does my thoughts and my actions grieve the Holy Ghost that God has filled me with? Grieve to to bring grief on, to to make unhappy, to to feel uncomfortable. Some of the definitions of that word grieve. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. I remember a time very vividly in my life several years ago when all of our children were were young. They was all small. Our kids was uh, uh, stair steps. Uh, and, uh, I mean, just one right after the other. And huh, I mean, uh, at the time, we I think we almost broke the record at the old Moral Hospital because uh, Cassie and Jennifer both was born in the same year. <laughs> and uh, so, all, you know, when you say stair steps, they was really stair steps. And they uh, had, to, had the Sister Darlene had to, to raise. And, and it was a sight you was running around Nashville, and you run into Sister Darlene and Sister Linda together. <laughs> they used to go around town together and pay bills and shop and do a bunch of other stuff, and they had them all. And uh, um, uh, it'd be a sign, I'm going to tell you, with all those kids and those two ladies. <laughs> Amen. But um, I remember a time, and it's still very vivid, and uh, I-, I can see my the face of my dad. My dad was a humble man. He's a very humble man, and he was very easy to, to weep and to cry. And, um, uh, he served God that way, and there's no pride in him whatsoever. And, uh, but I remember a time um, that we got the children up and went over to um, visit Mom and Dad and let, uh, let them see the grandkids. And as I was sitting with my father in the living room, 
uh, one of our children, one of our babies, I, uh, I don't really remember which one, which one it was, uh, but I remember it was one of the girls. It was just beginning, had just beginning to walk, you know, and you know how, how children are when they begin to walk around, they'll, they'll walk around and hold on the edge of things, you know, the coffee table and end tables and the couch, you know, and just kind of hold on. And uh, because they're still really not quite brave enough to step out there in that big open area there of the living room. So they're holding on to everything. And as I was sitting there uh, trying to uh, talk to um, uh, my my dad, um, one of them um, was walking back and forth from uh, uh, across the couch and holding on to the edge of the couch and walking back across in front of me. Every time she crossed over, she would pass over. She would step all over my feet. And so finally I picked her up and set her off to the side or something other like that. And, uh, and my dad looked at me with eyes which pierced my soul. And this is what he told me. Uh, when they are young, they step on your feet. But when they get a little older... They'll step on your heart. That was the first time that I realized, because I was still young myself. Uh, uh, Sister Darlene, she robbed the cradle when she married me. Um, <laughs> I was still young, but that, that was the first time that I realized <laughs> how there have been times, yeah, the pastor's going to be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, Realized there had been times when I had broken my father's heart. And believe me, there have been many times since that day as a father myself when I knew exactly how my father felt because younger people always remember what goes around comes around. How you treat others will eventually come back to you. That's a fact. That's not an old wise tale. That's a fact. Uh, when we are born again into the family of God, we are filled with the Holy Spirit who becomes our guardian. Not only our guardian, He becomes our God in this present life. The Holy Spirit loves us. And desires the very best for us, just like a parent does. Even praying for us during the times that we either don't know how to pray or we're in the situations that we can't pray for ourselves. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26 describes that. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You've heard us tell this story many times, and I really found out what that verse meant when Sister Darlene had that accident. And she was in the trauma unit in Vanderbilt Hospital up on that um, uh, 10th floor, I believe it was, and uh, unconscious, but when I first went in the first time, the doctors told me, well, we'll let you in for a minute, 
uh, but she she's still unconscious, but she just laying there babbling something incoherently. We don't know what she's saying. But when I walked in there, I, I received what I needed to know that she was going to be fine. I didn't care what the doctor said because I got unclosed. Even though she was unconscious, she was laying there praying in tongues. And then this scripture right here, as I stood there, Romans 8 and 26 come to my mind, <laughs> comes to my mind that the Spirit helps our infirmities or our weaknesses. For we do not know uh, uh, what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groaning which can't be uttered. The Holy Ghost that we have as children of God is like a daddy to us. It's like a mother to us. He loves us. He cares for us. He's our God. And we, and we shouldn't be concerned whether or not that the things that we do and how we live grieves the Holy Ghost or not, or makes Him unhappy or makes Him uneasy living inside with us. What about the Holy Ghost that you got when you sit there in front of your TV and you watch things on your television that you know you shouldn't be watching? Amen. And you got, how do you think that Holy Ghost, do you think that Holy Ghost can't see what you're seeing? Do you think that Holy Ghost can't hear what you're hearing? When we do these things, we grieve that Holy Ghost. We step all over the Holy Ghost's heart. Just like what my dad told me, that when children get older, they'll step on our heart. How many times of every day do we step all over the heart of God by our actions, by places we go where we shouldn't be, by doing things we do that we shouldn't do? How many times do you and I bring tears to the eyes of the Lamb? Hallelujah. It's important for Holy Ghost people, Holy Ghost filled people, should I say, to understand that everything you need from protection to strength and guidance and so on is supplied and administered to us through and by the Holy Ghost. Do you realize that? Every blessing that you will get, every need that's ever supplied to you, guidance, protection, what else? how do you think it comes? It all comes to you by means of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is God's administrator in the church during the church age. Everything that we get comes through the Holy Ghost. You don't get squad without the Holy Ghost. You don't get no blessing. You don't get no help. You don't get no encouragement. You don't get no needs met. Everything that you get comes through the Holy Ghost. And many times, as old saying goes, we bite the hand that feeds. When we get so tied up in our own little world... And we don't give regard to whether or not that we, how we're making the Spirit of God feel. This. Let me tell you something. When you leave here tonight, after all the praise is over, like what we did through the choir, you leave here tonight, you're driving down your, the highway, you might, you might not be in the Spirit like some of our choir people was acting up a while ago. But that Holy Ghost don't leave when you leave the church. The Bible says, 
Jesus said, I'll send you another comfort that will abide with you. That word abide means to stay. The old Pentecostal song that the Pentecostal saints sang years ago, He abides, He abides, hallelujah, He abides with me. For I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk this narrow way. For the Comforter abides with me. Hallelujah. You carry Him with you 24-7. Hallelujah. Amen. But you know what? A lot of times we don't ever stop and think we are doing whether or not it is bringing joy or bringing grief to the Spirit of God that's living within us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we need, folks, to realize that it's in our better interest not to have the Spirit of God grieve with us in any way. If everything we get comes through the Holy Ghost... Stop and think about it. It's in our better interest that we don't get the Holy Ghost within us upset. Amen? Hallelujah. That's why striving to please the Master is so critical in our daily walk with God. We should daily, look at your neighbor and tell them daily. Hallelujah. We should daily with a desire not to ever break the heart of the Holy Spirit. That's where developing a lifestyle of holiness comes into view. Now, as you see, God's given me a word on this preaching about holiness, probably different than what you go on. I've ever heard it preached before. Hallelujah. Holiness is not a natural thing. Even for the child of God, it doesn't come naturally. We have to allow it to develop within us by making a series of lifestyle changes as we grow in Christ and understand how the Bible teaches that our conduct, our attitude, and overall way of living affects our relationship. We talk about relationship around here all the time. We need to understand how that our attitude, our conduct, and our overall way of living affects our relationship with the Father through means of the Holy Ghost. Because it does affect your relationship with God, our lifestyle. We cannot go out here doing our own thing and expect God to be pleased with us, to be satisfied with us. Now, our text for this lesson tells us not to grieve or cause grief or and heartbreak to the Holy Spirit because it is the Spirit of God, the Bible said, who seals us for the day of redemption. It's the Spirit of God. When it says sealed, it means protects us or preserves us. Do you know that's what that means when it said we are sealed? By the Holy Spirit, it means it preserves us and protects us, Brother Hart. Now, Brother Hart knows, uh, knows somewhat about canning. I've got some good canned stuff that he's brought to me. He raises a big garden. They put up stuff, and he, he has given me uh, some can. And when you can something and you seal it, it preserves it. 
You can set it up on a shelf, and you can let it sit there for a year, but if you want to, it's sealed good. But when you go through that canning process, you've got to make sure the seal takes press down on that center. I remember one time years ago when we first uh, moved next door to Darlene's parents, and, man, we, we put up a buku amount of, of, uh, of canned tomatoes. I love canned tomatoes. And we put up a whole bunch of them. We had one of the best crops of tomatoes that I think we've ever had. And guess what? Sister Darlene canned them, and over half of them didn't take. Hallelujah. And I remember I said this was years ago. This was, this was a learning thing right there. Sometimes it ain't. Let me, let me help myself now. Sometimes, sometimes it ain't the canner's fault, and sometimes it just don't, it don't take. But when you go back there and you check, you press and that, that, the top of that thing keeps popping up and down with you. You say, "Well, you better not put them on the shelf. You better get them in the refrigerator, and you better eat them quick." Uh huh. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost seals us or preserves us until the day of redemption, protects us. So it should be understandable that we should be concerned whether or not we grieve the Holy Ghost or not. Because without the Holy Ghost, you lose your protection. The seal is popped. The seal is broken. Come on, somebody. Now, I realize... What happens to a lot of people, they run in and, and, and bam, 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 and uh, they go out that never really got sealed proper to begin with. Amen? That's why you see some people have so much trouble in the in and out, up and down, you know, always living life defeated. They need to go back and check the seal. And as Brother Art said, they need to go back through the sealing process again to make sure you're sealed good. Hallelujah. Amen. That's important. That's very important. Amen. Let me move on. I've got to go further than where I'm at for tonight. So, uh, and the only way, the only way that we can go through life pleasing the Spirit of God and not grieving the Spirit of God the only way that is possible is to develop a lifestyle of holiness which alone brings glory to God. You see, everything that you do, you should always question, does this bring glory to God? Hello, somebody. Oh, you get offered a brand-new job making, making a couple bucks more an hour, and you reach and grab that before praying about it and before looking at it and see if you getting on that job is going to bring glory to God or not. Is it going to take you out of God's house too, too much? Is it going to consume your time too much where you don't have time for God and you don't have time for your family? Because men, let me tell you something. God expects you to do both. You're supposed to have time for God. You're supposed to have plenty of time for your family. Hallelujah. If you don't do that, working all that overtime, making all that extra money at the chief, chief thing that you need to be concerned about. You do what the Word of God says, and then God will take care of the rest. He will make sure your needs are, are supplied. Hello? Glory. Now, 
There are going to be some times that these messages are going to get pretty tight. Hallelujah. Because we are talking about holiness. Hallelujah. Amen. So we have got to develop a lifestyle. As I said, it don't come natural. I can't believe one time what I heard a, heard a minister, and he's supposed to have been an apostolic minister, get up and tell the people, well, we don't have to worry about holiness. Don't worry about holiness. Holiness will take care of itself. It'll come. And I'm going to tell you what. I'll stand here and tell you, and I'll stand and tell him to his face if he was here. He is preaching a barefaced lie. Holiness will not come naturally on its own. You gotta strive for it. You gotta press into it. You got, you gotta say, Sammy Prutz, you're gonna have to get in line here, bro. You're gonna, you're gonna have to forget about yourself and start thinking about God more. It ain't gonna come on its own. It don't come natural. You got to develop a lifestyle. Hallelujah. And it's a, it's a process. It's a growth. You don't, whoop, I'm holy tomorrow. I'm holy now. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. It don't work that way. Glory to God. And I hate to tell you, it's a lifetime process. You won't never get there to where you achieved it all yet in this life. Because if you did, then you would be get to the point where you're completely sinless. And we know there was only one sinless man on this planet. Who was that? Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let's move on to the meat of the message. The first thing I want to talk about is a matter of the heart. A matter of the heart. What do I mean by that, a matter of the heart? Now, in years past, many have thought holiness and righteousness is achieved and maintained by outward looks and appearances. This concept actually goes back to a religious group or denomination known as the Pharisees who were prominent in the days of Christ. The Scriptures reveal what their concept of righteousness and holiness was. I'm going to tell you, just about anything, if you want to get closer to God, go in your Bible, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you see how the Pharisees did it. You want to do it the opposite way, Brother Bobby. Hallelujah. Amen. Anything the Pharisees did, we need to do it the opposite way. Luke 11 and 44, the words of Jesus. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like graves which are not seen. Graves that are not seen, he's talking about what's buried down under there. And the men who walk over them are not aware of them. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in just a minute. Let's go to Matthew 23, 4 and 5. Matthew 23, verses 4 and 5. Jesus still talking about the Pharisees. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their palactrices broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. Those phylacteries, 
were, were big boxes that they, the old Jews and the Pharisees would have a band, and they'd wear them right on their forehead. You talk, you talk about people being peculiar looking. They look peculiar. They had, had, and inside them they had strips of Scripture cut out. And they'd roll them up, and they put it. Was a, it was a little container. And so everywhere they walked, they had these big things, and they they they, brought, they carried the scriptures around with them all the time. I got the scripture. I'm a holy man. I got the word of God. How many understands that it's not the word of God in our hand? It's the word of God in our heart that what counts. Hallelujah! But they did that to be seen, to be recognized, to be holy men to be righteous man and then they enlarge the borders of their garments and man they all those things and many other things the scriptures talks about how the pharisees did the pharisees put on an outward show of holiness but on the inside deep in the heart where the character of the person resides see your character is who you are your character is what you do when nobody's watching you Hello, somebody. The Pharisees put on and dressed to look holy, to look righteous. But deep in their heart, where the character of their person resides, Jesus said there was rottenness and stink, just like a graveyard, which is decorated nice above ground, but hiding in the reality is what is really buried there. The deep. Uh, well, my, a word just slipped my mind here. Uh, where the body decomposes, the rottenness, the stink that is there. When Jesus went to Lazarus and he told him to roll away the stone, after, what did they tell him? They said, Lord, he stinketh by now. Hallelujah. But when you walk across the grave, the stones are whitewashed pretty. Uh, and that's how they used to do them back in the Bible times. And, and I, I mean, the flowers are there and everything looks nice and everything looks lovely. But down deep, down deep buried is, is, is rotten flesh. Hello. And that's what Jesus said those Pharisees was. Holiness is a matter of the heart. If the heart is flawed, and I'm talking about flawed spiritually, not, not physically. If the heart is flawed, nothing placed on the body can change the reality of what is there. If my heart's not right, if my heart's not right with God, I, I, can, I can wear sleeves down to here and, and button up the top shirt like the old Pentecostal, nothing but a white shirt. Some of them didn't even believe in wearing neckties. Hey, there are churches I've been in in the past that would set me down right now. You know why? Because i got a gold watch on. You don't wear that. You don't wear, you don't wear rings of no kind, not even wedding bands. Now, I don't, the reason why I don't have mine on, I lost mine a long time ago. I lost it. Sister Darlene got me, got me nothing. I lost it. Hallelujah. Needless to say, I don't have one now. She got fed up with me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Pastor's in a whole lot of trouble, Sister Faye. <laughs> well, hallelujah. 
and people, you take you take there there's there's some ladies, in some Pentecostal circles. I mean, you know, Cassie's got got beautiful hair, and it, it's long, and she's able able to grow it. Not 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 every every lady can can grow hair like that. I mean, it's just not possible, you know. But I guess what they say, sis. I mean, if you can't achieve it, then weave it or whatever, you know. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah. 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 But, <laughs> hallelujah. If, uh, if, the hair, if the hair drags the ground, the skirt drags the ground, but yet the heart is not right, there's no holiness. Amen? There's no holiness. The heart has got to be right. Hallelujah. Holiness is a matter of the heart. And as I said, if the heart is flawed, nothing placed on the body can, uh, can uh, change the reality of what is there. If you listen to this illustration, if you've got a house that has been destroyed by termites, and you attempt to cover it up with a coat of paint or maybe a few sheets of vinyl siding, the problem hasn't gone away. Let's say you got a let's say you, you got that house and man, you find out, man, termites has just completely destroyed it. I mean, eat up everything. You just go over there and you, you buy a few gallons of paint and you just sling that paint all over it. Or maybe, maybe you go buy you some vinyl siding and you, and you tack up the vinyl siding all over it. Does that do away with the problem? That don't do away with the problem. Hallelujah. The problem hasn't gone away. And if left that way, you're going to eventually wake up one day with a house falling down all around you, new paint job, siding and all. Amen? Hallelujah. Jeremiah 17 and 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked, who can know it? The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked, who can know it? Church, only Christ can restore the heart and place the love of God there to where you have a desire to live holy and pleasing to God. All of our actions and sacrifice for God should flow out of our love for Him, not out of a fear of hell. Amen? It should Everything we do should come from a love of God, not out of the fear of hell or pretense of holiness. If the latter is true, then we become Pharisaic and are hypocrites. If what we do for God does not come from our heart and out of a love of our heart of Jesus Christ, then we're just like the Pharisees and are hypocrites. Another thing I want to talk about is a desire not to grieve. Once we realize we can break the Lord's heart, by our lifestyle and actions, we should be thankful enough for how God has delivered us that we should never want anything we say or do 
to cause unhappiness or grief to the Lord. This comes from love, not from obligation. You know, a lot of people do some, do some great works in the kingdom of God, but everything they do, they feel this sense of obligation. God does not want you serving Him or working for Him just because you feel obligated. Amen. I mean, everything you do should be out of love for the Lord. Coming from your heart, not obligated. God does not want you want you here on Sunday morning or on Sunday night or on Wednesday night simply because you feel obligated to do so. He wants He wants that to come out of your heart as love from Him. He don't want you the same thing, Brother Paul. He don't want you here doing that just because you're feared you're going to die and go to hell. He don't want you here on Sunday because you're afraid, well, if I don't go to church on Sunday and if I die on Monday, I'm going to die and be lost. Then you, you lose all blessings for being here on Sunday. How many understands what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. That's very important. Glory. Once realize that we can break the Lord's heart by our lifestyle, we got to develop these things, this lifestyle of holiness, and let it be developed by love and not by obligation. Now, once we step into a meaningful relationship with God through the Holy Ghost, we begin our development of a lifestyle of holiness through our relationship with others. Now, we're going we're gonna to get, uh, get good now. What has holiness got to do with our relationship with others? It's got a whole lot to do with it. Many people seem to forget that when they sin against other people, we sin against Christ. Amen. Jesus says, whatever you do to the least of these, my brethren, you do what? Unto me. Uh, holiness has got a whole lot to do with how we relate to other people. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 12. This is what it says. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. So one of the first areas we begin to develop a lifestyle of holiness is how that we begin is how we learn to grow to live with and react to other people. As Christian people, it becomes imperative that we walk in integrity and honesty in our relationship with others. If you re- listen to me, church, if your relationship is not right with others around you, it will not be right with God. Hallelujah. Husbands, if your relationship is not right with your wife, your relationship will not be right with God and vice versa. Christians, if your relationship is not right, amen, with those you interact with all the, and all your other brothers and sisters, then it can't be right with God. And there's no true holiness there. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, this is why we grieve the Holy Spirit by certain actions the Scriptures speak against. Now, I want to go back to our opening Scriptures, um, uh, Brother Sean, Ephesians four, twenty-five through 30. And I want to read them again one more time, and I, I'm winding down. I'm fixing the close. He says, Therefore, 
Now, all, all of this right here, the majority of it anyway, has to do with our relationship with God. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Amen. We have to be honest with our brothers and sisters. We have to be honest with everyone. Let each one put away lying. That, that's part of the old man. That's part of the old lifestyle. The child of God who's developing um, a, a, a lifestyle of wholeness has got to develop. And I'm going to tell you what. I was talking to Sister Darling. We was talking the other day. There are some people who are habitual liars. And I've, I've seen some of these people, uh, Brother Darrell, that they're so bad about their dishonesty and about their lying and stuff they talk about, they get to where they believe their own tales. I've actually seen people, they, and the lies that they tell, to them it's truth. They don't even realize. They've deceived their own self. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you see... A person, after God has filled him with the Holy Ghost, may have had a problem dealing with that as being the old person they used to be. But you're going to have to immediately let that Holy Ghost within you start to work that you can get that stripped out of you because it is not pleasing to God. You're grieving the Holy Ghost. You're making the Holy Ghost unhappy. And sooner or later, you keep making the Holy Ghost unhappy, and he's going to leave and try to find another house to live in. Amen? Let me go on now. Hallelujah. Be angry and do not sin. Or do not let the sun go down on you. Get, get angry, but do it without sinning. Now, there, there's, there's, there's two principles involved there. Of course, you know, we think about the old king, be angry and sin not. How is that possible? Well, you can get angry, and assume, that's part of emotion, that God has put within us. And I'm going to tell you something. Amen. You can't, you can't stand for the truth all the time very well if you're not able to get, get angry a little bit. Jesus got angry, but he didn't sin. Be angry and sin not. How is that possible? Well, you may get angry. Amen. But they don't give you the right to go out here and bless somebody out, cuss somebody out, or, or, or whatever. You've got, you've got to control that anger. You've got to hold it in. And you've got to bite that tongue until you think you're going to bite it plumbing too sometimes. Hello? Glory to God. And then don't let the sun go down on your wrath. That means you ain't supposed to let it linger. You've got to let it pass real quick like you got to get it out of there because the Bible says that there would be a root of bitterness spring up within you, amen, that will one day consume you. And I have had Holy Ghost-filled people tell me about certain situations in the past that somebody has done something, and I've had them tell me I can't forgive them. I'm going to tell you something. If you ever get your spot place in a spot where you can't forgive somebody, let me tell you, go ahead and do this and say bye-bye to heaven because you ain't going to get there. You cannot make it to heaven if you, if you cannot forgive somebody. Well, 
I'll forgive them, bless God, but they ain't asked me to yet. It don't matter whether they ask you to forgive them or not. you got to already do it. This is the holiness lifestyle that God expects us to develop. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you can do it overnight, but you've got to strive. If you've got their errors in this life, you know you're weakened. You've got to pray and fast and seek God and say, God, get this out of me because it's not right, and I don't want nothing coming between me and you that will hinder me from getting there. Somebody ought to say praise the Lord on that. Hallelujah. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who is in need. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, and when we talk about stealing, there's a whole lot of ways you can steal. But any of them is wrong. And any way that you go out taking something that don't belong to you. And, and, and matter of fact, the Word of God says covet. I mean, that's why the Bible says we ain't supposed to look at uh, something that belongs to somebody else and desire it and covet after it. We, we commit sin. Somebody comes in here driving a brand new car, and you look at that, and you say, man, I, I, I sure would like to have that. You committed sin by saying that. That's covetous. There, now, there's a, you can, you can, it, the way you can say it, well, I sure wish God would have blessed me with one just like that. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, coveting gets more people in trouble. And then it causes a lot of people to break across the line and go ahead and steal or lie. Hallelujah. To get what they're coveting after. Then he says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that it might impart grace unto the hearers. So you see, these things that I've covered with you tonight all has to do with our relationship with others. And that's what I'm talking about in the meat of this message tonight, about developing a lifestyle of wholeness. We've got, we've got to learn how to have a relationship. There's a lot of people who simply just don't know how to have a a, a proper relationship with somebody. And then the 30th verse, our text, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In closing, Brother Darrell, I want you to get a, get a course ready. We're, I'm fixing to, to wind it down. These are all fruits of a holy lifestyle. And if we partake in any of these activities, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And if we grieve him long enough, he may leave us to our own lust and desires, ending up in a reprobated mind. And folks, believe me, that's a place you don't want to never be. Promise me, that's a, I promise you, that's a place you don't want to never be. Where the Bible says God gives you up. My, my, my. He gives you up. So, striving to please the Master, that's the first step in developing a lifestyle of holiness. I want everything that I do, everything that I say, please Him. And I want to develop my lifestyle, my being, in a way that I can live to do that. As Brother Darrell sings tonight, if somebody needs to come talk to the Lord, the altars are open.
We encourage you to come and kneel and talk to Him. Hallelujah, because God is right here, ready to meet us at the point of our need. Let's everybody stand together. Brother Darrell. Lord, prepare to be a savior, pure and holy, dried and true. Thank you. 